Welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Today's episode is the third of three episodes on the psychology of fitness with Dr. Doug Jowdy, the renowned sports psychologist and author who works with champion athletes as well as older athletes like you and me. In episodes 60 and 61, Dr. Jowdy spoke about the need for and challenges of strengthening our psychological fitness to make better decisions serving our quest for fitness today and health during a long life. Today in episode number 62, we are going to extend the discussion to include the dysfunctional relationship that many older athletes have with food and the related dysfunctional body ideals and self-perceptions that compound problems associated with a desire for lower weight for higher athletic performance. This discussion has opened my eyes to my own need for a better mental framework for enabling my physical fitness, moving away from discipline and towards motivation and satisfaction and acceptance. All right, let's talk to Dr. Jowdy. Dr. Doug Jowdy, welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast for part three of our discussion. Joe, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Today, as we've been talking here before we hit record, we're going to talk about what I think is a pretty common. I know personally... <laughs> the dysfunctional relationship that many older athletes have with food and the related dysfunctional body ideals and maybe self-perceptions that compound problems associated with a desire for lower weight, for higher athletic performance. People who are like me, who they struggle, their quality of their life is impacted by their struggles. Even if they're managing it okay, like they're not overweight or underweight or injuring their long-term health or making everybody around them really miserable because they're having to conform to some really weird diets or things like that, it's still, they suffer somewhat. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to the extent that there's mindsets you can have and, you know, little mental tricks that you can do and whether it's like regular everyday type things or just whatever, it would be really great. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really hoping you can help me and uh, our audience out on this point. Well, I'm going to uh, do my best and yes, uh, yes. play my position, which uh, what I mean by that is uh, talk as a psychologist um, that specializes in working with athletes at all skill levels. But this topic is multidisciplinary, just like talking about overtraining yeah. or overreaching is um, we're talking about exercise physiology, coaching, um, physical therapy in terms of injury and under recovery. This is multidisciplinary because it involves uh, dietary habits, nutrition, understanding metabolism, understanding caloric needs, understanding output, and I can make reference to those. I'm familiar with that territory because I've been involved in this area since 1986. But I'll qualify for your listeners. That's where they might need to consult sure. with an expert in that area to dispel misperceptions and get away from that's a bad food. Yeah. That's a good food. So I just want to let people know I'm going to play my position, always uh, talk on the continuum about the psychological piece related to this. Well, that sounds good. And, and I guess I would say just because we're limited on time, we should just try to focus our time on the psychological side of it. And, and it's good that people are forewarned that there's more to it than that. But that's what we're going to focus on here, just because that's yes. your expertise. And, and we're trying to stay focused uh, for keeping this to approximately one hour, which is what I, what I try to do. 
Uh, and as before, okay, I will reveal all if necessary to help tell this story, this get this information out. Uh, you know, I have you know people would look at me and say, "What you've got eating problems, eating disorders, disordered eating?" You know, whatever the. And no, no, I you know I, I don't have anorexia or bulimia or you know any extreme body dysmorphia types of issues, but I'm a regular person. You know, I have voices in my head that push me in one direction or another, and I don't like it when I look in the mirror sometimes, and I want this or I want that, and sometimes those things are in conflict, and I want to eat more or feel like I need to eat less or don't want to eat that bad food, you know, um, to talk about what you were referring to as, you know, that uh, really our food's good or bad, you know, uh, you know, as opposed to just helping me with what I'm trying to accomplish or not. So feel free to, uh, you know, drag me out onto the couch if necessary. But I, I, I think that just so that we can help the most people here, let's don't talk about the, you know, the extreme cases, the people who do need medical attention, who do have anorexia or bulimia mm -hmm. or, and are in recovery or maybe denial. Um, you know, these extreme things where their health is at risk in the short term. And more, I'm interested in just helping people to mm -hmm. get their minds sort of thinking in the right way in terms of their relationship with food and their relationship with their own bodies and trying to just be a happier person who is going down this path of trying to be healthy and have longevity and be athletic for a long time. And that maybe that doesn't mean, you know, winning a world championship in an age category, but you know, all the other things would fall into line maybe a little more easily uh, with the right mindset. Uh, do you think you can help us with that? Yes. Yes, I can. Cause I Excellent. have been there myself. Ah, uh, uh, well, how should we start? Um, I think we could start with uh, a story about my mom. Yeah? Um, because it speaks to this, because this is a, a woman that was um, raised by immigrant parents in old school where women didn't sweat. You know, you didn't even take PE. And it uh. wasn't until my mom was in her mid-30s that she started to take tennis lessons and swimming lessons and started to ride a bicycle um, yeah. because she started to assert herself and have her own voice and not yeah. care what her mom said. And my mom is 84 right now. And give you an example, on her 80th birthday, she wanted to swim 80 lengths in the pool to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And she calls me a few days before and says, I always get stuck on 76. And I know you know something about mental blocks. What can I do? So I give her some suggestions. Later that day on her birthday, she tells me she swam 83 lengths on her 80th birthday. Uh -huh. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my niece will FaceTime with me when my mom's at the gym. She lifts weights four times a week to watch her form to so she maximizes, you know, her movement and her okay. technique so her triceps don't get flabby. Oh. Okay. This is somebody during the pandemic when the gym was closed and it was 10 degrees Fahrenheit in Niagara Falls would bundle up and walk 90 minutes every day hmm. at the age of 82. 
So I tell the story in my book, The Gold Medal Mind, in the chapter, Listening to Your Mother, because she was all about eating well. She's visiting me here in Boulder, which is a pretty competitive, um, body-aware uh, city. Yeah. And uh, she loves going to the gym with me because she gets inspired by all these people that are so health conscious. Yeah. And we go to the gym. And because of my injuries, I max out at about 45 minutes. And I'm the one right. sitting and reading, waiting for her to finish because she does 45 minutes of cardio and then 45 minutes of weights at yeah. the age of 79. So we go back home. I go off to work. I come back later. And she says, I have to confess, I went to King Super and had a donut. And I feel so good guilty but i wanted a donut so bad and hmm. she takes great pleasure in fitting in certain jeans and how hmm. she looks in her clothes now this isn't disordered eating but she is so um self-conscious about mm -hmm. the way she looks and if her triceps are going to get flabby and just genetically, you know, you're fighting gravity and there's metabolic changes and you're going to lose muscle tone, but she's of the mindset, no, that doesn't have to be me. So mm. she's reading every sports psychology book that I send her about how to use your mind to stay committed to the exercise process and to deal with cravings for sugar because she mm. has a sweet tooth just like me. You know, it mm -hmm. must be a Middle Eastern kind of thing. And well, I've got it too, so it's not just Middle Eastern. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I and I that struck me. I had to put that in the book, you know, to to make the point about the exact subject we're talking about because yeah. it is real. I mean, it is very, very real, and a lot of people will get into exercise, especially aerobic exercise, to allow themselves to have a piece of pie or have that cheeseburger or have that bowl of ice cream because it said on the elliptical machine you burned 450 calories mm -hmm. so that gives me a pass to have dessert you know when we went out to when we go to the cheesecake factory you know right and it's and it actually people rent a lot of space in their head to that calculating you know and are thinking that if I'm in a positive energy balance, you know, more calories than I'm burning, you know, um, I'm going to gain two pounds in a week. You know, my mm -hmm. if my pants feel a little tight, and that might be you haven't had a bowel movement in two days and you're retaining a little water, and that has nothing to do with weight gain if you were to get on the scale, I mean, fat weight. And there are a lot of um, different ways the brain can go um, later in life when somebody starts thinking about, you know, wanting to maintain, you know, a certain appearance. And that's why when it comes to summer, people will engage in aerobic exercise because more of their body shows. They sure. want to get the beach body ready. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It applies to men and women. You know, I'm my stomach's yeah. going to show and my arms are going to show. I'll be wearing shorts. And some people are just saying, I hate running. And they just are.
pushing themselves and it's not fun and it becomes this torture chamber almost um and they're depriving themselves of certain foods that wouldn't lead to weight gain if eaten in the right way at the right time of the day and then trying to burn 600 calories a day you know on the elliptical machine or the rowing machine you know and playing this kind of chess game you know right. in, in their minds right. um and uh it's 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 just normal for a percentage of people um but there's a healthy way to do it and you know when it gets to the point that it's getting to be obsessive um in creating stress um and uh not making eating not fun you know and making you feel guilty you know yeah yeah i think that's the key word here because I, I i think where my head has been because i've been kind of pondering on my own behavior for a long time and and you know having these balancing acts in your life that keeps you from getting too thin or too fat or whatever that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, you know i mean we know that you know too much body fat is is unhealthy and um and that sort of thing I think the issue is the compulsion. It's the lack of control. It's when you you feel badly about yourself and you're miserable with these compulsions driving you to do things, you know, and then as it extends out, I set, I guess that sets the stage for it then extending out to some more extremes where maybe you're losing too much weight and things like that. But even when it isn't, you're getting too thin or, or exercising too much. The, the fact that you still have this compulsion and it's making you miserable is, I, is really, I think, the root of what I'm interested in understanding, how to get a, a mindset about and feel better about that without giving up on the idea of, oh, I want to be a healthy person. I want to have a healthy weight and I want to have good muscle mass and I have to eat healthy. I just don't want to feel miserable about it. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a variety of factors that we can talk about that feed into what leads to um, compulsive behavior and obsessing about food. Compulsive is the behavior like you can't keep yourself from going back to getting another cookie, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and obsession is thinking going around mm -hmm. and around. Although you said I'm done having cookies for the day, or I'm done having chips, you're sitting there watching TV and you can't get it out of your mind, you know? Right. Um, right. But this goes back to exercise and overtraining. There is a biological component. You get neuroepinephrine, serotonin, dopamine from exercise along with opiates. Sometimes that makes it hard to stop depending on how stressful life is, life events, you know, because there's a withdrawal, because there's not many things in life that lead to that, say, runner's high, mm. okay? Outside of exercise, kind of the next thing on the list that can lead to feeling good that's pleasurable is eating mm. food is very pleasurable depending on the type of food. People that try to get on paleo or keto um, burn out after a period of time because you don't have um, some of the 
ingredients in the food that make it taste good mm. and um, release the serotonin or dopamine in particular, you know? So, okay. you know, they call it comfort food or they call it emotional eating. Uh -huh. You know, so for example, with people that have a sweet tooth, you know, sugar is a drug. I mean, mm -hmm. alcohol gets broken down into glucose. Mm -hmm. And when people stop drinking, they tend to eat a lot of sugar. Actually, mm -hmm. in recovery programs, they say, get to like Sundays and ice cream, because mm -hmm. that'll help with your cravings for alcohol, because it both breaks down to sugar. So uh -huh. usually when people are having trouble with compulsions and obsessions, if they were to reflect, it's usually correlated with stress in life, not feeling as satisfied with relationships, um, something out of balance where you go to comfort food or, you know, you have that, you treat yourself to two cookies and your favorite almond milk or cashew milk, whatever it might be. But then because of the pleasure, it leads to, you know, the obsession start that I want more because it mm. felt so good, you know, mm. um, where usually when things are in balance, balanced in life, that cookie or a piece of pie or scone is a treat. It's pleasurable and it ends there. You know, it's the same with exercise and overtraining. People are more likely to overtrain when they need that fix. You know, uh, that is the source of pleasure. They need their high. And that's like with people that drink, they tend to come home and they're stressed. They're more likely to overdrink on those days. You know, they're angry or frustrated or anxious, that kind of thing. And, and food's the same way because it has drug-like effects. You know, and that's where you'll get somebody that goes out for pizza and they're on a weight loss program and they're exercising for health, not to have 15% body fat. And they're like, I'm going to have two pieces of pizza because I know my doctor said I can do that. That's fine. You know, and before you know it, somebody saying, oh, you can have another one because they're sitting there picking at their salad, you know, and, you know, that pizza's calling their name and they're like, oh, you know, and they have that third pizza and then they feel so guilty and then they go, well, I have to soothe myself. I'll start on Monday being good. So then they have that fourth piece. <laughs> you know? and that's how it goes you know um, yeah and and um that's why a lot of the things we talked about um apply um you know to this because there's a psychological component to um eating in a healthy way realizing it's about health and wellness otherwise people can swing back and forth hmm. you know yeah. just like they can do with exercise you hmm. know well, that's interesting. I, I guess the, the what you're saying is that the, the 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 struggles with eating is not always about the eating or even about the food. It's about the life, and you know, if you know, if you're if you're, you know, I, I, one thing that I've I've always thought that if you you don't have any joy in your life, then you're going to find some joy in what you eat. 
Without question, without question. I mean, it's like kids find joy with screen time and gaming. I mean, yeah. that's where a lot of kids find joy. And th that's destructive to health and wellness yeah. in a lot of ways. And then, you know, adults, we weren't raised in computers, you know, but, you know, we weren't raised with gluten-free, vegan, you know, organic. I mean, we were eating Twinkies and Zingers and, you know, Peter Pan peanut butter, you know, yeah. so we, we had a lot of sugar and hydrogenated vegetable oil. So I, I think that, you know, was a nurture component to sweet tooth development. I mean, the ice cream I remember eating, oh my God, milk was like the 14th ingredient. It's like, what was this made oh, out yeah. of? You know, <laughs> you know, in the donuts, flour is like the 12th ingredient. <laughs> exactly. Like, what's, what's in there? You know, yeah. you know, now, now it's much healthier, you know, um, but, but still, no, one of the things we've come a long way with people that are wanting to lose weight, and I'm not talking about morbidly obese people. I'm talking about people that want to lose 15 pounds because their triglycerides are high or their LDLs are high and they have cardiovascular disease is incorporating stress management into the lifestyle because it's stress eating, you know, mm. it's eating mm. for comfort, you know, and that's one of the underlying mechanisms to dealing with cravings, uh, you know, uh. um, because, um, you know, exercise helps with stress, you know, but then it can get obsessive as we talked about, you know, Oof. three miles becomes five becomes seven right. you know and then and then it eats up your time that you could have spent on other parts of your life that would have made your life more joyful more complete yeah but we don't talk about that as much and you know um, depending on our background the idea of playing a board game with family you know mm -hmm. or going out to the park and playing frisbee or something like that seems like well what is that i'm not burning calories and is this really fun but it's more about the social aspect you know and quality time together that if you learn to bond and connect that can be very rewarding yeah well so one of the things that it would be useful to hear your thoughts on you know whether you think this works or and how to use it I've been reading more and more about and have tried um, off and on with some success is this business of trying to separate who I am from my feelings, from my urges, from my, even my thoughts, mm -hmm. um, the, the thoughts that are unbidden, you know, like the voices that tell me, you know, oh, Oh, you're going to the gym, but well, you should eat a bar, you know, have some energy for that. Um, oh, you know, you, you worked out, you, you have, you know, should I have a protein shake because you got to build those muscles and it, you know, the, the little voices that just constantly talk to me or, you know, the sense of, I really want to have something and I'll feel better or, you know, whatever the, whatever that is, those, those parts of me that don't really feel like it's me. It's, it's something instead that I'm having to do battle with. I'm contending with these parts of me that don't seem to be on the same uh, strategic plan as I'm on. You know, I'm trying to be a person who lives a long time and is a strong athlete for a long time. And 
these other parts of me are really more short-term oriented. They're wanting me to, you know, no, don't get up and, and go exercise, sit and relax. Anyway, if you know what I'm, if you know what I'm talking about, it's this business of trying to create some space between me and all of my thoughts and emotions and feelings, some of which relate to me eating more or less food. For me, it's always more. Uh, there was a short time in my life when I was trying to lose weight, and I'd be happy to go into it if I must. But uh, and I had gotten to where I enjoyed the feeling of being hungry, mm -hmm. and so I I lost a ton of weight in a period of time because I I learned that uh, behavior. But usually for me, my instinct is always more food, eating more food more of the time. Um, but still, you know, that is, if I'm trying to not have excess body fat, then that's contrary to what I want to do. If I, if I don't want to have any excess weight for my athletic performance or body fat for metabolic health or, you know, whatever, then I'm having to contend with myself on that. So what a, does that make any sense? I mean, is that like an, a strategy that people can employ? Well, from the psychological standpoint, when you're talking about separating, you know, the thoughts and the feelings and you get these thoughts that, oh, I need to have that bar or I need to have that shake. Um, that relates to my talk of meditation and mm -hmm. concentration training, because that is at the heart of meditation or concentration training. You could call it a lot of different things, but mm -hmm. that exercise where you're sitting still and you're focused on your breath or you're focused on a word, and it's not about quieting your mind, it's about seeing the thoughts that go through with a sense of neutrality, with a sense of indifference and being able to detach so they don't take oceanfront property because once they do, they have power to translate into behavior. Mm -hmm. So, you know, before you go to the gym, if you haven't eaten three hours, before and you think you're going to you're doing this high intensity workout and some idea gets in your head that you need to increase your blood sugar level and you know scientifically that's nonsense mm -hmm. you know and most bars most bars are not very healthy to begin with yeah. um you just look at that thought and go you know you're fiction this is a fairy tale and you drink some water with some electrolytes in it and you go on and that would be called urge surfing, you know, okay. the work. Okay. and you just let that go. And after a few minutes, you're getting into your workout and that's a distant thought, you know, right. but if you, so that sounds, yeah, uh, to, to just add on to that, cause that, cause that makes sense to me. And I have actually done that. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't do it often enough for that to be an instinctive habit of mine. Sure. Uh, but when I think of it, I do it, and it works. Sure. And I. I need to. I need to make it more of a regular practice. But the 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 alternative to that is to just be a disciplined person who does not do that. And I am. You know, I'm a strong-willed person who is in control. And the problem with that is that 
is two things at least. One is that I'm constantly in fight fight mode with myself. So my whole life is I'm battling myself. That sounds like a shitty way to live. Um, Exhausting. And I, and I can tell you that it, from personal experience, it is a shitty way to live. And two, you will lose sometimes. You will be tired. You whatever ha- something you were emotional. You, you had a bad day. You whatever. You know, I'm talking about myself. And I will give in. Mm-hmm. And I will be weak. Mm-hmm. And I will feel badly about myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole um, premise of the gold medal mind, that I go against athletic conventional wisdom. Athletic culture is about self-will, self-reliance, grit, dig down deep, power, control, self-discipline. Okay, Um from a psychology standpoint, we know based upon 50 years of research, that doesn't work. That will work mm. some of the time, but the concept of relax to win, surrender to win, mm. non-striving, effortless effort, what they call passive volition and biofeedback is what leads to quote unquote winning consistently and the book the gold medal mind to win on the scoreboard means internal or psychological victories and that is having a frame of mind that leads to you executing at your best but we don't train the mind athletes or competitive people typically when they want to make a change go into a determination or goal setting or discipline mode where you know you'll see in the book it's just the opposite it's this letting go and being amused and curious about this internal battle where the healthy logical side goes to war with this side that is fear-based like i'm not gonna win i'm going to fail and there's a lack of trust in one's innate ability and wisdom if one doesn't learn how to relax and get in one's body and get out of the fight that you'll move through it i mean that's the way to handle competitive anxiety that's the way to handle pain and fatigue when you're on the bike that's the way to handle conflict with a another person it's it's paradoxical and it's a whole nother way to approach challenges in situations because like in addiction world they call it white knuckling you know i'm gonna power through it you know i am not gonna have a bar before workout all week you know Mm -hmm. this idea of a chocolate milk a half hour after workout or a sweet potato is nonsense i'm not going to do it because it's calories that i don't need i can wait till dinner you know Mm. first get the information to see if that's true then it's having this neutral mindset and not getting into the ring because usually if you get into the ring you're shadow boxing you're fighting against yourself and sometimes you'll win but the times you lose you'll feel so defeated and weak yeah. as an individual and it's exhausting and creates stress yeah. 
that puts you in a vulnerable state to then succumb yes to the old pattern yes this is it this is it right and and i you know and i can i can see where the you know the idea of you know weighing yourself every day i mean obviously that's a good feedback mechanism for being able to see how are you doing with your weight right because that's what because you're measuring it um it's a it's a little bit of an after the fact thing, so it's a lagging indicator, and and unfortunately, lots of things, water retention and bowel movements and different things, can uh, affect it, and so it's not a clean measure of of what you're trying to accomplish, uh, but it can create kind of crazy behavior. And a, and another thing that's more uh, a little more process oriented, but it, I think it has the same kinds of um, negative. Uh, attributes to it. And that's like tracking all of your calories, tracking everything that you eat. Um, it, and, and, and because it's, it becomes a sort of a, ah, I've got this many calories left that I can eat today. And, um, you know, and, 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 and then I can't eat that, or I can eat this uh, kind of a thing. And, and, you know, the, and some of the latest stuff I've been reading about, like this intuitive eating, I think you first have to kind of get in touch with what, you know, what, what your body really needs before you can, um, you know, lose track of, of all facts. But if you can move away from the, the discipline side of it and get to more of the, what am I trying to accomplish and what do I need to accomplish it? And, you know, and work down in that direction rather than, just being, as you were saying, you know, strong and disciplined. Uh, it seems like it, if you could figure that out, that would definitely be a, a happier existence. Yeah, this is where there's a lot of variables that come together. And just like when somebody is training um, to race bikes, it starts with, what is this all about? What are your intentions and motives? You know, you're developing a relationship with your bike and is the slave going to become the master? You know, so when you're paying attention to your body image and your weight, it starts out with, you know, why is this so important? And it could be very important because of health reasons. You had your annual physical and there's things um, that were elevated. And a doctor says, from a health standpoint, it would be good to avoid these foods and drop this much weight because your BMI is high. No, you don't look, you know, fat, say, for example, you know, and wearing a 38 waist pants is, is no problem, you know, um, you know, but you get into when it comes to weight, it naturally has something to do with appearance and how you feel based upon how people see you, you know, um, how you think they see you. How yeah. they, yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, that requires, you know, some soul searching um, because there's a lot of people that play that, um, let's just say game or that tug of war that in their mind have that um, people are perceiving them as more confident, as more intelligent, you know, mm -hmm if they look a certain way mm -hmm. um and what the nutritionist will say base your weight on how your clothes fit not necessarily on the scale mm -hmm. 
Hmm. You know, that's the proofs in the pudding, you know. Um, and then you add over age changes in metabolism, how you metabolize certain foods, um, how late you're eating at night, um, your cortisol levels, because if your mm. cortisol levels are higher and you're not sleeping well, you're going to store fat. Mm. If you're on certain kinds of medication, they're going to slow your metabolism down like certain antidepressants, say, for mm. example. You know, if you're drinking a lot of caffeine, they're going to activate your adrenal glands, you know, because you're not eating to maintain blood sugar level, you know, so there's a variety of factors that go into it to be able to do it in a healthy way. Hmm. But um, it starts with reflecting on, you know, my ideal weight and my ideal appearance would be this. Now, is that really healthy and realistic at this point in my life? And if it's not, what is that about? What is that really about? And I can tell you for the listeners that know Boulder, if you surveyed people and they were to be honest, I mean, this is the healthiest city in the country. You know, being overweight is almost gluttony, is almost sinful. And at my gym, I see the people that are overweight go before it closes. I don't see many people that are overweight going during the higher times. And I know that's partially embarrassment and just serendipitously, I've had conversations with some of those people because I like to help them out, you know, with what they're doing because I hate people not enjoying their exercise and they're working mm. with these trainers that are pushing them and they're not even in shape to do the exercises the trainers are having them do. You know, and the American right. College for Sports Medicine would say walking four times 45 minutes a week can be as effective for weight loss as trying to pound the pavement and mm. run because that could be too stressful on the body and backfire. Mm. You know, where gentle exercise for a while can lead to more weight loss than trying to push and get your heart rate up to 130 or 140. You know, there's a lot of misconceptions around there. Um, but, you know, and the other thing is that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Health and wellness is a lifestyle that goes with us to the grave. And it causes problems for people that think, by the end of six months or by the year, I have to have this under control or get into 34 inch waist pants, you know, or my biceps have to look like this, you know, and that's where it can feel soft or passive or uh, new age. And it doesn't mean you don't have this edge and this focus, but it's not driven by a harsh coach or this tyrant, there's a sweet spot, just like there is when it comes to getting on the podium. Because being driven and beating yourself into submission doesn't work, you know? Yeah, and this goes both, this goes both for the person who is um, 
far from being at their ideal mm-hmm. in their own mind, mm-hmm. as well as the person who is very close to it and maybe even proud. This is my opinion that the person, again, I'm going to say, oh, this is my personal experience. I've been closer to being what I would consider my own ideal for more of my life than I've been far from my ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, genetics just was in my favor um, in that way. And and I would go to the gym and I would wear a tank top that would show off my muscles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and why not? Why not? Well, the why not is because I was taking pride in that. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of feeding the addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just sort of, it's sort of a dawning on me here, just listening to you that that is the case, that I'm, I've been feeding my own addiction by doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's very, very, very common, um, you know, because it's one of the things we have control over um, to give our sense, ourselves a sense of confidence, feelings of adequacy, feelings of mastery by being fit. I mean, that's valued in our culture, you know. Um, and if we have an athletic background, I mean, we get positive feedback by being fit because it allows us to perform better. And then we transition out of sport. It's the one thing because we're not on the field. We don't have a team. We don't have the locker room to hold on to. I know it wasn't my retirement. You know, I started, you know, I was an ice hockey player um, averaging 5,500 calories a day because Mm -hmm. it was about being big. As a defenseman, you had to be big. And, you know, I wouldn't be considered you know, really fit. But afterwards, I couldn't eat like that, you know, and I became a pretty obsessive runner. And, um, you know, I was at Penn State rubbing shoulders with the exercise physiology department, doing VO2 max tests once a month to be guinea pigs for their studies, you know, Mm -hmm. and got down to 10% body fat. And it was pretty gratifying, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, and felt really good. So, um, you know, there's a healthy aspect of that, but when you reflect and that um, display, let's just say, is doing for you what you can't do for yourself, that's when you're giving it a little too much power. Yeah, it, it becomes more compulsion than, than uh, it, you, you'd like, uh, that I'd like, and uh, mm-hmm. I need to work on you know, being comfortable in my skin mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 you know, again, it, it's very, very common. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, I've said this before on your podcasts. I work with um, adolescent females that sometimes won't go to school if their hair doesn't look right. You know, that's their hair because they give the boys, you know, so much power. So appearance is something our culture places a lot of emphasis on. You know, we have a million more magazines than we did in the day. Um, Everything's airbrushed. You know, you have these programs to have buns of steel or six-pack abs. You know, and an argument could be made six-pack abs aren't very 
healthy for your spine because it compresses your spine and you don't have mobility of your thoracic spine, which leads to compression of the discs. So all this oh, sure. core kind of work can, you know, backfire and it's all, you know, uh, appearance based, but it is oh, sure. Healthy. And even the really low body fat levels, that's not very healthy. I mean, even the, the, the body model type people, when they diet down to those really low numbers, they can't stay there. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's, it's, it's not sustainable, you know. Um, and one of my friend's daughters is really into fitness. And um, she had found this chocolate that Victoria's Secret models eat. And if you read oh. the ingredients, it's almost like this looks too healthy. Like it's all cacao. It's mainly uh. cacao, you know, and you line it up to a Snickers bar. There's no comparison. You know, because, yes, yes. you know, Snickers bar was my crack before I had these food allergies and I can't eat sugar anymore. And I haven't really had sugar in three years. It's, it's you know, almost a miracle because they said after a while you won't have cravings. So you could put a bowl of ice cream in a brownie and I could care less, you know, mm. um, and that that's something that just happened where, you know, I couldn't have one. I was one of those people. Once you got my sweet tooth going, you know, I would obsess. And an hour yeah. later, I would be driving to King Super, going to the Baker Special area, you know, and I had a lot of injuries, so I couldn't do much cardio. So I couldn't uh, afford to burn it off. Yeah, right? I, I couldn't afford that. So I, there was a period of time, you know, my weight went way up and I was very yeah. self-conscious, but, you know, I, I, I changed that. But, um, it's really an opportunity when somebody is, say, struggling or challenged with that to learn about themselves. You know, that's what the gold medal mind is all about. That's why I think being an athlete or riding a bike is all about. It's about personal discovery, you know, through, you know, eating behavior, through exercise behavior, because you can learn so much about yourself um, when you start to have challenges or struggles. You know, it's like what is this about? This is supposed to be about health and wellness. Not, it's, not that it's going to be enjoyable all the time, you know, but let me be curious about why I feel so bad that I had more chips than I thought I should. Like, yeah. Or why I have so much pride in how I look to other people. Um, yes. Yeah, th that that is that is a big one because um, I know in my private practice I'll get a lot of people talking to me about they're having a dinner party coming up or there's a business mm -hmm. party and they want to wear this shirt or the this dress mm -hmm. but they don't feel they look good in it and they'll spend mm -hmm. hours in front of the mirror and their partner will be saying you look fine you look fine but they'll be nitpicking mm -hmm. and there's, mm -hmm. they call it the imaginary audience, mm -hmm. you know, out there and nobody's evaluating you. You're not on the catwalk, you know, it, it, this isn't a beauty contest, but people will do that and change clothes like 10 different clothes to based upon how they think people will perceive them as opposed to these feel most comfortable. I feel most comfortable in these, and this is what I'm going to wear. You know, it's real. I mean, yeah. it's, it's yeah. very real. And uh, it's, you know, it's something 
where we can learn about yeah. ourselves. And, and, I, and, I, and just to reiterate, the point is not to say it's not important to be a healthy person and, a, and to have physical fitness and to oh. move regularly. I mean, these are all very important things, but to be obsessed and to be com- to have compulsion over worrying about the little teeny things and have the voices driving you to do this and that, that that's no life. That's not a good life. Oh no, no. We're whenever we get too obsessed with whatever it is or give something another person, food, the bike too much power, um, you know, we're um becoming a slave. You know, yeah. we're we're uh we're torturing ourselves and you know, that's really not what it's supposed to be, but that's a point for learning. You know, that's how I like people to consider it. That's a yeah, point where you can grow, yeah. you know, and that's unfortunately, you know, there's a large percentage of the population that it's obese. They go to the other end of the continuum and don't realize that McDonald's is not food. Okay. It is not food. Um, and they just don't care. And, um, you know, cardiovascular disease um, leads to the most deaths, about 600 30,000 people die a year of cardiovascular disease, you know, way more than opiate overdoses, way more than others. And we don't talk about that. We don't pay attention to this. And really this comes down to being healthy. You know, this is about healthy, but yeah. Well, and and the audience here are people who already know that they need to be healthy and they're, Mm -hmm. they're well on their way to trying to do that. And, so we're not having to convince them of yeah you know, don't eat fast food and things like that. Although you know people do it and um, and, uh, and 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 having a hamburger at McDonald's once on a blue moon probably isn't going to kill you. Uh, but what? But you can take it too far the other way too. You can be yeah. too c- crazed about your diet, about counting your calories, about watching your weight, uh, about being in control and. Um, you know, all those crazy things which just make you miserable. So even though maybe you actually look like the way you look, you're miserable about how how you're doing it. So there's there's a better way. And you're saying, take these opportunities to learn about yourself. Um, so that is great. Is there any last little bit here that you'd like to cherry on top of this discussion? And then we'll get some uh, contact info from you. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I just want to emphasize that this is this is very, very real. And, you know, we're at a point where we're being honest about a lot of things culturally like fat shaming and body shaming, you know. Yeah. And if you think about um, stewardesses on airlines, they had a certain body type that has yeah. changed. Sports right. Illustrated Swimsuit Edition had a certain body type up until just a few years ago. I mean, there is reinforcement for having a flat stomach, you know, for men and women to look a certain way. And that's still alive and well. So if you get somebody that is healthy, but then starts to feel more firm and starts to see some definition, you know, um, you know, that's kind of gratifying. And it's normal that it's going to feed into the ego, which is alive and well, you know, but that's a point where you bump up against that and go, okay, this is great that I'm looking like this. And people are saying, wow, you look fit. 
But then if you start getting consumed by that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that's the point like anything, you know, so yeah. um, it, it's just, it's just real, you know, um, and I just um, feel honored to talk about this because. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you helping us out because mm -hmm. this, this is a real problem. I, I mean, this is a problem for me. Um, mm -hmm. And so this mm -hmm. conversation has been helpful to me. Doug, how can people find you, find out more information about you? Um, if people just Google Doug Jowdy, J-O-W-D-Y, you know, they'll come to my two websites, my professional website, which is drdougjowdy.com, and the book's website, goldmetalmind.com. There's a variety of videos on there where I talk about some of the things we've addressed on these three podcasts. Um, my email's on there. You can order the book if you'd like from there. You know, I'm happy to... Uh, talk to folks and potentially do presentations if there's groups that want me to go into more depth, you know, on a virtual basis and even do a question and answer. Um, Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, great. All right. Well, Doug, thank you once again. Uh, you've been very generous. Three episodes. That's been marvelous. And uh, hopefully everyone has enjoyed it as much as I have. You have a great day. Thank you. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in to my discussion with Dr. Jowdy. If you missed any of the episodes with Dr. Jowdy, please look them up to get useful tips for getting control over your compulsive behavior in fitness and in dealing with food. You can find more information about Dr. Jowdy and his book, The Gold Medal Mind, in the show notes. While you're there, you can sign up to take a free fitnesses practices assessment, send us a question to address in the podcast, see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you're on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That'd be a great help. Thanks again.